This is the thesis in rhyme sequence. Capitalism's a beast of a system that keeps disparity of wealth. No matter your class, poor or richness, the system is built to sell. Leaders are tasked to make decisions that betters the world itself. But competition and shareholders' presence are influences from hell. Welcome to the Dream With Me podcast. What's up, guys? This is Ryan Morimoto here with episode 8. And today we'll be talking about how to succeed as an enlightened capitalist. And maybe you notice something a little different if you've been watching or hearing this for a while now, but I will be moving forward with having like a four ball wrap to introduce and summarize what I'll be talking about. Trying something different, you know, trying to get a little more of my personality out there. You know, been doing the songs at the end and was like, hey, maybe we should incorporate something in the beginning like a hook. So I'll be doing that from now on like a four bar introduction with a summary of what's going to be talked about. And so really the thing that we're going to be talking about today is this whole concept of enlightened capitalism. And there's a few things that made me really want to talk about this. And to let you know why and kind of like the journey of where my thought has gone is this started with a book that a mentor gave me. It's called The Enlightened Capitalist and it's by James O'Toole. Essentially what an enlightened capitalist is, is a business owner who tried to do good practices for their like customers, their employees or the community, and how they lived by like their definition of good ethical character to their values. And the book is an extensive research covering roughly about like 200 years, so a long time, basically the entire birth of America, from people like Robert Owen in 1800. If you haven't heard of him, he's like considered the first enlightened capitalist, building a whole city for his employees and stuff like that. To recent people like Tom Shoes Company and Patagonia, maybe things you're a little more familiar with that do inline practices like Tom's, how you buy a pair of shoes and it gives it to someone else who's in low income or, or needs it. And I've been thinking about this a lot because, well, I'm starting my own business and I too want to be an enlightened capitalist or practice enlightened principles. And what I really took away from it is this whole idea of an ethical credo for your business. And we'll get into that a little bit later. That's the takeaway, but just kind of getting you into my brain and like what I've been thinking about, why I've been thinking about it. And then what really pushed me over the edge to do this podcast, what really stirred inspiration in me is I've been seeing a lot of negative talk in the media and even my friends about like the richest people in the world, specifically people like Gates, Zuckerberg, Musk and Bezos and all this negative talking. Oh, these people should be the ones to solve the world. Look at how much money they have. And they're bad people because they make all this money and they treat their employees like shit and blah, 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 blah. And I found myself getting into this negative thought pattern. So I want to challenge us. I really want to challenge us to be better with this podcast rather than setting the expectations on someone else. Maybe flip the script and show you a little mindset change on how we can better ourselves. So let's dig deep right now and kind of get into it and know that this is my beliefs. So I am projecting some of my beliefs on you. I did look up some facts. I did fact check a little bit, but this is still my beliefs. So so just take this with a grain of salt. So the first two bars to really dissect from the hook, right, are capitalism's a beast of a system that keeps disparity of wealth. No matter your class, poor or rich, the system is built to sell. 
So in order to really dive into this and what I really mean by this is first I have to define what I think of as wealth and what I view as wealth in a capitalist system is a couple things is first everyone this is universal right we all get an income we all get that bank statement we get that money that cha-ching it hits your bank statement it hits whatever and you need to pull out the cash for your necessities everyone has universal necessities like a roof over your head so whether it be a rent or a mortgage you got some food you got to feed yourself we got to eat you know <laughs> and maybe some like clothes or whatever to throw on your back to help yourself through the the cold maybe some insurance you know unfortunately not everybody has insurance but you should and that kind of leads to an income minus necessary expense and if you have cash left over after that that's called a net operating income your income minus your expenses is your net operating income and wealth is when you have monthly net operating income when you have cash left over after your necessities that you can decide what to do with it so wealthy people are able to save money they're able to turn that money into investments that generate more money for them they're able to go on a lucrative vacation or on a whim on a wednesday night you know besides coronavirus but buy a laker ticket or a dodger ticket and just go and do whatever they want to do they have that freedom of choice but people in poverty they're they're stuck they're in this month-to-month cycle where they're either close to zero on their net operating income, meaning their income and their necessary expenses are basically the same, or they're even in times where they're going negative, maybe some seasonal expenses, like having to go to a hospital, like their kid gets their arm broken or something like that, and now they're all of a sudden operating on a negative cash flow month-to-month. And these type of people, to even live month-to-month, they have to beg their employers for overtime hours or they have to work long grueling two hour two jobs you know a day shift and a night shift and these people they feel trapped they feel like they can't do anything about it and in this lyric i specifically say that the system keeps disparity of wealth and i believe that this wealth is kept at a status quo with a rich and a poor and a segregation of class because in my opinion, the educational systems and the community support are not built to help high school kids to be prepared for the real world. You can even throw it as far to say like college, upper education, graduate degrees. I have friends coming out of their PhDs and whatnot and they're like, hey Ryan, can you help me? I don't really understand finance. I don't really understand how business works. Can you kind of like go over this with me? And that just leads me to think like, What's what's good with all this K through 12 education, this college degree, if you're not prepared for the real world in terms of how we are built around a capitalist system, right? Things like finance and business are not even taught. And if you want to make something of yourself, you have to teach it to yourself or you have to find someone to help you. You have to be fortunate enough to have a mentor or a dad or whatever, a mom who is in business and can teach it to you or you have to be disciplined enough to go learn it yourself and people in low-income families specifically are not taught how to get out of that cycle of poverty they're expected to beat the systems themselves they're expected to learn themselves and how the hell are they going to do that when they're working 12-hour jobs just to get by and just to make their monthly rent check and now i know ryan oh man this may seem so grim but i do want to explain a silver lining In the lyric, I specifically say, no matter the class, the system is built to sell. So this means it's a free market. Capitalism's a free market. 
So even the lowest class, the low class, they can make something out of themselves if they learn how to sell. People love to buy when they see value. If you can project yourself with high value or bring a quality product, people are willing to buy it if they see the value. So you can add value to other people's lives in your own personal unique way and make a business out of it. You can bring an impact to your community once you make a business out of it. And this right here, this right there, this is why you should care. We're in a time when the internet has made almost anything possible. Platforms to use, you can sell things on places like Amazon or Shopify. You can be paid over the internet on things like Venmo, Stripe, PayPal, Bitcoin. We'll get into that in another time. That's a whole nother discussion. But you can be paid over the internet. And you can reach a mass audience over things like Facebook and Instagram. So we have the ability to make a business. We have the ability to reach out to our target audience. We have the tools and knowledge available at our fingertips. So we can make a scalable, impactful difference right now. Previous generations, they couldn't even think of this. They couldn't even dream of reaching someone in Canada when they live in California or across the globe to another nation on the other side of the world in Europe or Asia and how all these things can be interconnected now through something as simple as like Facebook. Well, it's not simple, but you, you know what I mean. To reach someone, you, all you got to do is put an ad on there or make a group or whatever and you can reach these people and then you have the ability to sell and be paid over the internet. So we have all of this at our fingertips. And I wanna take a pause right here to prepare yourself. If you have soft skin, just prepare yourself for what I'm about to say, because this may hurt you. I wanna call out everyone who claims to be enlightened, or here's the air quotes, I am so woke. If you're woke or you think you're enlightened, especially for the people my age, so specifically talking to you who are millennials and Gen Z that criticize others, that criticize the government, that criticize previous generations for what they did and oh, they did things so wrong and they expect other people to change. Let me ask you this. Are you a leader creating change or do you expect it to be handed to you? If your life and future generations of life, meaning your kids, your nephews, your nieces, your godchildren, etc., are dependent on this capitalist system that's in place, the thing that we live in, then it is our responsibility to become enlightened capitalists. We have been saying that our generation is quote-unquote woke, posting things on social media, and oh my god, I am so more educated than the previous generations because I am not racist, I am socially woke, I am internet smart, etc, etc, etc. If you say you have these good ethical values, and if you say you have the knowledge, then I believe it is our moral responsibility. So society as a whole, not just the individuals who are quote-unquote motivated to be ethical, it is our moral responsibility, all of us, our generation, that we change the world around us by starting our own businesses and or nonprofits. Or we join something we truly believe in and participate in the causes that we believe in. If you really think that it's the quote-unquote corrupts people fault and bash people like Bezos makes so much money or Zuckerberg does this and Gates does this for not taking responsibility and sharing the wealth and blah, blah, blah. If you have time and the mind capacity to think those type of thoughts, then you also have the ability in this free market to start your own company, 
to become an enlightened capitalist and leave your own footprint in history. So what are you going to do about it? I might hurt your soul a little bit there. Your psyche may cling and resist and, oh, I'm, but I'm afraid and I have all this shit happening in my life. But I mean this with all good love. I don't mean this in a spiteful, hateful way. But I do have to put a little bit of shame in here as a motivator because shame is critical in life or death situations. It's useful in these life or death situations. An example being is if you're about, if you were a kid, you know, playing in the yard and you ran out in the street to get your ball and a car almost hits you, right? Your parents are going to shame to help enforce a behavior that running in the street is not a good thing. You need that negative emotion to be associated with the car in the street so that you can think about it and and learn from it. And very similarly here, I need to tie down that negative emotion and make you feel something. Because right here in this time, it's critical to understand that we control our own lives. And we can help the lives of the people around us, our community, our families, our friends, through businesses and nonprofits. So if you have a vision for bettering your life, the people around you, your community, I believe it's your obligation to forge your own path and not expect the government or someone else like Jeff Bezos to do it for you. I have to give you some tough love on this sometimes. Because if you think of yourself so highly, so mighty, then you have to live it. You can't think one thing and do another. That's a disconnect right there. And that's the root of negative energy in people. That's disappointment in your life. When you go through and expect someone to do something, they don't do it and you get disappointed. Or you think that the world should be this way and it should change, but you don't do shit about it. That leads to negative energy and disappointment. Get out of that cycle. Right now, I don't have it, but I would typically, I'm going to think about like right here in implementing some music change, you know, like la, 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 whatever it may be. But just want to let you sit on that and kind of dive into the second half of the hook, the thesis, right? So we went over the first two bars and I want to now kind of get into the second two bars. Leaders are tasked to make decisions that betters the world itself, but competition and shareholders' presence are influences from hell. Before I give my thoughts on this, I just want to preface this with that the Enlightened Capitalist book, it had multiple stories over these 200 years, you know, like 500 pages worth that showed similar things to what I'm about to say. So it must be somewhat truthful if there is this common theme over the 200 years rather than me just projecting my beliefs. So there is some type of proof but you got to research it yourself. Don't take everything I say as the iron truth or whatever. Just know that this is somewhat my beliefs. I did some research into it, but you got to figure things out for yourself as well. See if it's true. See if you believe it. So my thoughts on, on this, on these bars about how leaders are tasked to make this decisions of bettering the world, as well as how competition and shareholders presence influence you to make decisions. And one of the biggest challenges I see of being an enlightened capitalist leader is being able to separate the ego when making decisions, being able to sacrifice being right in a conversation instead of being right. A good leader will ensure a win-win situation. Guess what? Your ego is always there. 
<laughs> it's always there. You can try to hide from it. You can try to pretend like it's not there, but your ego is always there. It's like that roommate in your mind you can't get rid of. It's always there, nagging you, right or wrong, this or that. And separating yourself from that is one of the best things to be able to do in order to be a successful leader. Making decisions with definite definitions of good ethical character without influence from outside pressures like the competition, the shareholders, or the media. This is what's a common trait of a successful enlightened capitalist. All of these outside influences, they will challenge you daily. But being able to see that as an outside influence rather than what you truly desire, what you truly value, and what you truly want to live by, that's what makes someone successful as an enlightened capitalist. I mean, let's just paint a picture here, right? Just use your imagination for a little bit. Can you imagine being an owner of a company and seeing your competition scale, seeing them steal your customers? How would that make you feel? How would then it make you feel then the shareholders that invested in you, they see that happen as well and they try to make strong arm decisions. Say, hey, Ryan, you got to cut costs and maximize profit. And then they threaten to pull their money if, if you don't listen. Can you also imagine then the media poking a divide between you and your customers or employees saying, oh, this business owner is doing this and that, and this is what the customers think of it. This is what the employees think of it, to just try to create that drama and divide. So all of these things, they, the typical business leader has to think about this on a day-to-day -day basis. They're actually put in a situation where this happens. So I'm not saying that you can't believe, you know, like, oh, Bezos could have done something better or whatever, but just give them a little bit of slack and understanding rather than approaching it with anger and hate. Just think to yourself, like, what, what does it really take to be a business owner? What does it take to get the business thriving and sustaining profitability? That's extremely hard. And these people like Bezos and Zuckerberg and whatnot, you know, you may think, oh, well, they're, they're bad people because they empl employ their their people and they pay them minimum wage. Yeah, but they gave hundreds of thousands of people job opportunities. Can we look at it from that angle and maybe approach it with, well, maybe they can do this in this method and maybe I can do it even better rather than expect the other person to change. Why don't you bring the change yourself? And so to all the leaders out there who are striving to be enlightened capitalists, I want to give you my thanks. I honestly want to give you true appreciation and a moment right here dedicated to you because if you're going on your own path, even with all of these odds against you that I just said, I want to commend you for that. Even as a secondary hustle or whatever it may be that you're doing, volunteer work, whatever you may be doing, know that I truly appreciate you and know that I want to help you on your way. I want to prepare you for those outside influences and I want to make sure you succeed. And this right here, that right there, this is why you should care. We're all in this together. Changing our lives and the lives of the future generations, I believe is done through business. You may be asking yourself, why does Ryan keep pushing business and nonprofit? Why does he keep saying, join a cause and participate? Well, to be honest, I believe relying on the government, that's just a straight waste of time. Politics and economics to coexist without corruption? That just doesn't make any sense to me. How can you have a political body controlling the economics of a country? Well, with that being said, it's our best chance to bring change. 
is through the business, through enlightened businesses that help the customers and employees. Businesses have a direct impact on the lives of their customers and their employees. They can create a better life for people faster than any political body can do. Any law change and whatnot, that takes years to put in place. That takes so much political litigation and blah, blah, blah. Versus a business, you can make impact of people pretty quickly. And even if you're relying on the political bodies, will they even do it? If you ask for something, are they going to do it? Are they going to push their own agenda? I, I just want you to think about that right there. Give that little pause so that you think about that. I want to note that this book, it suggests separating philanthropy and business. And I just want to make that dis distinction right here that businesses, when I'm talking about enlightened practices, I really mean focusing on helping the customers, the employees, and the shareholders, especially the relationship and communication between it. Because what has shown over the course of the years is that everybody wants something different, right? Customer wants a great product. Employees want a great working life, fair wage, great working conditions, and shareholders want to maximize profit. And typically what happens then is the communication between these different sections of the business it gets kind of muddy. It gets kind of lost because everybody wants their own thing. And the business leader, a successful one, is able to communicate everything effectively, able to draw the lines in the sand on the differences between the different departments, yet have everything coexist, yet have everything run smoothly. So that's what business leaders should focus on, the enlightened practices of helping their customers, their employees, and their shareholders. Versus philanthropy side, will maybe focus more on the community impact and like the lives outside of work for the people. And businesses can get involved in this by donating to the right cause or supporting nonprofits. So that's why I'm kind of separating the idea of business and a nonprofit. You can be involved in both, but what history has shown is that a business shouldn't try to get too much into philanthropy because over these 200 years, it's shown that it has failed because business is for profit versus philanthropy is for nonprofit. So you should keep these two separated. All right, so let's wrap it up here. Let's wrap it up one more time, right? What's the main point? Capitalism's a beast of a system that keeps disparity of wealth. No matter your class, poor or riches, the system is built to sell. Leaders are tasked to make decisions that betters the world itself, but competition and shareholders' presence are influences from hell. So to sum it up, right, all the problems I see, and Ryan, if you have problems, you better have a solution. You can't be just preaching these problems without a solution. Don't worry, I have a vision. So to sum up the problems, the current distribution of wealth and economics make it hard for people to break out of poverty. There's a lack of education on things like personal finance, ethical values, and business practices during the K through 12 quote unquote mandatory education that makes it nearly impossible for everyone to break out of poverty. There's no teachings. There's a lack of character values and principles in common business practices. And the current leaders are pushing their business in terms of profit rather than the good values. Now, that may be somewhat negative. That may be somewhat of a problem. Ryan, you're talking all these problems. What's your solution? Well, this is really my vision. And this is why I created the bucket list system. This is why I have a vision of future courses that will elaborate on things like finance, interpersonal skills, ethics, creativity. This is why my long-term vision is to get this education to high school students and young families. 
My long-term gain includes working with nonprofits, leaders, influencers to get community support systems built, to give children a chance and a place to grow, and help the parents balance their work-life situations so they can create a better future for their respective families. And so what do you take away from this? I always try to have an action item, and I myself am going to do this action item with you. So in the book, Johnson & Johnson has an ethical credo. This means that they have five sentences that they swear to practice their business by and live by. It comes from things such as how they treat their employees, how they do business, what they value. I don't remember them off the top of my head, but it's basically a state five sentence statement that says how we live by our business, what we do. And they ask their employees to challenge it. And they even have a day dedicated to it. The author, James Toole, passes on these stories on how management rooms will get really heated, but in a progressively good way in these discussions on the ethical credo, and specifically how these discussions would progress the ethical credo, and it resonates through their employees because they're able to go through the true motions of what they believe and take everyone's opinion and make sure the business is what they say it is, how they practice business is what they say it is. So for myself, I have values. I have my own personal statement, but I never did a credo yet for my business. So I'm going to be doing that right now. So I challenge you to make an ethical credo, something you live by. So make something like three to five sentences of what you think is right and make it for yourself. And if you're open to it, let's talk about it. Connect with me. You can email me at info at ryanmoimoto.com. You can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And just give it to me. Send it to me privately if, you, if you're if you not comfortable about it. But if you are, post it. Show other people what you truly believe and get some feedback. And I've been doing a contest every week for my email group. So if you, you're not part of that yet and you want to be part of it, there's raffles, there's games, there's everything. So if you submit me your feedback, I will insert you into the next raffle. I want to thank you for your time today. And if you made it this far and you're ready for it, here's another live song. This one is called Perfect Love. Purposes. Time go by, see friends and hearses And wrap my rhymes, church and sermon Yeah, ease my mind, these words the perfect Yeah, fine as wine, love a curvature Fix me right, I'm so nervous And show me why I love this earth And yeah, cause we alive in search of perfect love Search through space and time for my Anchor to time, a totem of life Behind my eyes, a scene demise Seen these things, but won't compromise Integrity, it's everything I believe what I breathe and sing in melody, leave memories, future children remember, see I'm spilling feelings, no more concealing the parts of my heart, I've been healing, torn apart, I'm rebuilding a vision for the future, a new life's reason, I found my reason, sounds I'm singing, words I'm breathing, kill my demons, I'm 
trying to find what my life's purpose is. Time go by, see friends and hearses, then wrap my rhymes, church and sermon. Yeah, ease my mind, these words the perfect cure. Find is one, love the curvature, fix me right. I'm so nervous, and show me why I love the certain yeah, cause we alive in search of purpose. I'm a product of sin and a glass of gin. Purposes. Time go by, friends and hearses, and write my rhymes, church and sermon. Yeah, ease my mind, these words the perfect cure. Fine is wine, love a curvature, fix me right. I'm so nervous, and show me why I love this earth. And yeah, cause we alive in search of perfect love. Groove right now, drive to the speaker, vibrations loud. Vibe with the preacher, it's it is the leader. He gon' free you from all your fears, of dealing with the reef. I hope this prayer reach ya. Cope with Ace Aretha, dope rhymes, I'm the dealer, stress for mind, I'll free ya, I'm trying to find what my life's purpose is, time go by, friends and hearses, and write my rhymes, church and sermon, yeah, ease my mind, these words the perfect care, fine is why I love a curvature, fix me right, I'm so nervous, and show me why I love this earth, and yeah, cause we alive in search of perfect love, trying to find what my life's purpose is, time go by, see friends and hearses, y'all so much i love you all see you next time peace